to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Executive Pastor Kendall Laughlin. For more messages and resources, head to allpeopleschurch.org or download our free All People's app. Go Warriors, 4-0, come on with that. We like that. Hey, welcome to All People's Church. I'm Kendall. I'm our executive pastor. Like the video said, you got to see Robert, our lead pastor, in the video. Next week, this is the last uh, sermon in our Can You Hear Me Now series. Next week, you're going to get to hear from Jeff Bianchi on Father's Day. It's going to be great. So please join us for that. And let me start this week with a, a little story, an example from San Diego life. Living in San Diego, obviously, the summer is awesome, Right. And we know it's awesome because half the country tries to come here. But anyway, it gets a little crowded, but we love it. And it's relaxed and it's enjoyable. But another thing we're reminded of over the summer, we really honor this, is the presence of our American military, right? We have Memorial Day. We honor those that died serving our country. We have Fourth of July. And then there's just other things. Like my kids had a patriotic chapel at school last Friday. We were, they were celebrating and honoring that. That's important to us in this church. But, but in all that, it's an important reminder for us in the midst of summer, in the midst of fun and sun and all that, freedom isn't free. There's a battle out there, right? There's people that are fighting on our behalf. And yeah, no nation's perfect. And there's complicated geopolitical stuff going on. But at the end of the day, there is real evil in the world. There are people that are resisting that so we can live in freedom. Reminds me of this story. One of our board members uh, in the church was uh, in town for a bit, and he was in Coronado playing golf on the public course there. Wasn't having a great golf day. And he chipped his ball out near the bay, right into the little sandy area down there, kind of where the brush is. And so he had his iron and was just enjoying, you know, the San Diego break he was getting and kind of flipping through the grass with his iron, looking for the ball. Finally found it, you know, squared up and was ready to chip it back into the fairway. And he looked up about a foot or two in front of him, and then there was a sniper in a full bush outfit hiding there on the golf course in Coronado. He jumped. I mean, imagine how far you would jump if you saw a snake while you're playing golf. Now put a sniper there, okay? So, you know, he jumps, freaks out, looks up. There's some other guys that are out there. They're doing a training exercise all in their bush gear. It's like, are we being invaded? What's going on? But he finished his game of golf, and he was just fine. But... It's a wake-up call, right? And what we have to remember is warfare is part of the human experience, right? It's part of who we are as people in our country, in our history. One of the things that divides our history are the great wars. We talk about post and pre-war, World War II. That's a, you know, historical term that's used. Growing up in the South, I was just more familiar with the Civil War, how that shaped America and the pain that that caused and different things there. Uh, Many people in this room may remember, actually, the Vietnam War and the the struggle and all that happened in our nation during that time. There's been wars since then, obviously. But as you study the great wars of history, there's a few themes you can look at, all the way from Alexander the Great all the way till today. Of course, there's evil, there's conflict and conquest and complications. But then there's one theme that emerges is that wars, warfare, for whatever reason, creates great leaders. You know, there's people that in the midst of warfare, against all odds, staring defeat and death right in the face, it does something to them. It galvanizes something in their spirit, and they step up to lead. And there's some people throughout history who've actually had this almost indomitable courage and foresight to know that their warfare was somehow ordained or 
established in victory even before the battle began. Kind of reminds you of the Christian life, right? You know, warfare is part of the human experience. And one such leader that had this sense of foresight, this sense of knowledge and divine purpose, even in the midst of warfare, was Winston Churchill. You might be familiar with Winston Churchill. He was the prime minister of the UK uh, during World War II. And I've been enjoying reading a book on his life called The Prophetic Statesman, which speaks about this gift of foresight that he had. But very interesting, 1942, we set the scene, the beginning of 1942, the world is at war. And if you were to read the newspaper during that time period, you would actually think the world, the world was going to go a different direction. You see, the swastika was flying all over Europe. The American fleet was subdued and weakened from Pearl Harbor. The American naval bases were overrun all throughout the Pacific fleet. The rising sun was flying over Hong Kong and Singapore. Paris and France had been invaded and occupied by the Nazis. London was being bombed, and there was almost no hope for the Allied forces. We almost had a Nazi world. And New Year's Day of, of World War II, 1942, Winston Churchill, he, he wakes up, and this is one he writes in his diary during that December-January period. We have won the war after all. We will not be wiped out. Our history should not come to an end. Hitler's fate is sealed. The rest is merely a proper application of overwhelming force. And he ended that journal entry with something very interesting about his day and what he experienced emotionally that day. He said, I went to bed and slept the sleep of the saved and thankful. There was something about this gift of foresight, this sense of calling that he had that let him know that victory was his, even in the midst of terrible and disastrous circumstances. He actually had an amazing gift of foresight. Winston Churchill predicted World War I, not where it would happen, but not just where it would happen, but when it would happen, what forces would be at battle, where the front would be, how long it would take each army to get to that front, and what weapons would be invented to stop the war. Uh, he invented the tank and the Air Force. He had this amazing gift of foresight and sense of almost divine guidance in his life. He didn't talk about it much, but uh, there's one speech where he actually shares, this is the goal of my political career. He said this in America. I think this is really interesting. He shared, my goal is to uphold the Christian religion and resist all attacks upon it. What an amazing example from history of a man of resolve, wasn't perfect, right? But a man of resolve that has a sense of divine calling and also some sense of, of foresight, almost prophetic foresight that he knew his victory was guaranteed. And what a great spiritual parallel for us. Uh, maybe you've experienced this before. You've been in the midst of a battle, a trial in your life. And something about that battle, something about that trial, you, you just have a sense of God's leadership. You know it's going to work out. There's a peace. There's a, a sense that you're surrounded by the Lord, that God is working on your behalf. But th this is part of the Christian life. Pastor Nikki Gumbel says it this way, the Christian life is seasons of battles and blessings. Say it with me, battles and blessings, battles and blessings, battles and blessings. I'm saying it over and over again so you remember it, battles and blessings, right? And of course, it's fun to talk about the blessing and there's appropriate times to celebrate that in church and all that Jesus has done and will do for us. But 
we also need to understand that God desires to train us for battle, right? And we see in the scriptures this interesting moment where, where we actually see the battle, the cosmic battle between good and evil that we live in today. We, we get this moment, it's in the book of Revelation, so it's kind of esoteric and out there, but we get this moment where the veil is torn and we see the origins and the outcome of the battle between good and evil. So let's read that now, Revelation 12. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. My kids love to tell stories where they're fighting and killing dragons. There's just something innate in us, right, where we want to we wanna defeat evil. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now, The salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Amen. He accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. For they have not loved their lives even unto death. This depicts a battle, right? There's us, the saints, God's people, okay? You might be a Cowboys or a Redskins fan, but you're still a saint, okay? So God's people, all right, we're the saints. Then we have an enemy, okay? The ancient serpent, the devil, okay? And then we have the world. This is the front. We live in a kingdom clash, a battle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, between good and evil. This is what Pastor John Eldridge says. You won't understand your life, You won't see clearly what has happened to you or how to live forward from here unless you see it partly as a battle. There's this part of our life that's a battle between good and evil. So let's define that really quick, defining spiritual warfare and spiritual battle. I think I have a slide for that. Spiritual warfare, as we just read about it in Revelation 12, it's an invisible spiritual conflict between good and evil that wages all around us. We see in Ephesians 6, 12, our battle isn't against flesh and blood. There's a spiritual battle we fight As believers. So, as we end this series on the prophet Samuel's life today, we're going to look at prophecy and spiritual warfare. And today, I want to speak to you from the subject this is how we fight our battles. So, let's pray together. All right. Father, we pray as we look at your word. Lord, I pray you'd equip us this morning. Think of David, who wrote in the Psalms, You train my hands for battle. Lord, train us for the battles we're going to face in life, the small and the big ones. We pray that every person here would walk away with something practical from you. Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be studying a passage in Samuel's life. First Samuel 7. This is the Samuel's the prophet we've been tracking with the last few weeks. We started the first week talking about how he heard from the Lord personally. That's the foundational message that God speaks to us as believers. Last week looked at prophecy in the church and how we encourage one another using God speaking to us with the spiritual gift of prophecy. And this week we're going to see how Samuel was participating in spiritual warfare as a prophetic leader. Before I get into that, let me just acknowledge an imbalance. There are two imbalances in regards to spiritual warfare, and we want to be in the middle where there is biblical uh, reasoning. But over here, you know, there are people that just don't want to think and talk about spiritual warfare, you know, and maybe you fall into this camp. Maybe you thought, man, I was kind of hoping for maybe some a little inspiring this Sunday, and now we're doing the spiritual warfare thing. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to Father's Day next week. Well, good for you, but 
I hate, I hate to say it, but there are battles in our life. We can't ignore them. The abundant life doesn't always come easy. Sometimes you have to fight for it, okay? And then over here, we have the demon hunters, okay? And you guys are going to take this message too far. And what I've got to say to you, okay, is you only want the battles that God assigns to you, okay? All right. But here in the middle, okay, is we have the spiritual battle we find ourselves in as believers. First Samuel 7. So the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord. They brought it to Abinadab's house on the hill, house on the hill, church hill, interesting, and consecrated Eleazar, his son, to guard the ark of the Lord. The ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim a long time, 20 years in all. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. So this is a time of revival. Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourself of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourself to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and their Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, assemble all Israel at Mizpah and I will intercede with the Lord for you. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day, they fasted and there they confessed we have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as the leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. Okay, so here's the context we have, the spiritual battle in the life of Israel. We're going to look at, first of all, when. When should we expect spiritual battles in our lives as believers? It's very helpful to know what your enemy's scheme is in warfare, Right? Even in sports, right? This is why athletes, they watch tape. They want to see like, okay, how is my opponent going to respond the next time I face him or her? Well, for us, we have some tape here that we can watch that's going to show us how our enemy acts. When? When we experience spiritual battles. The Philistines came and they attacked at an unfair time. This was a time of spiritual revival. So the Israelites, they're, they're dealing with their idols. They're coming together, pouring out water before God, right? They're pouring out their hearts to him. They're, they're, they're getting away from sin. And it's a big spiritual victory for Israel. The ark of God has been restored. That represents the presence of God or was the presence of God, has been restored to God's people. So this is a time of awakening. It's a time of revival. But this is the exact time when the enemy comes to attack, you see, the enemy somehow, in the cosmic world we don't see, he understands our appointed times. The Bible talks about appointed times, kairos times. It's a Greek word. And there's special times that God has appointed in our life for breakthrough and for him to move. And somehow he understands these appointed times. And he comes against us in these appointed times to resist the breakthrough that God wants to bring. We see in Elijah's life, we have this amazing spiritual victory he knocks out the false prophets at Mount Carmel, calls down fire from heaven, right? Best prophetic conference ever, okay? And then what happens? The next day, he's depressed. He's suicidal, right? The enemy came after him. Israel experienced the most amazing miracle, the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, they're still making movies about it. And then what happens? They fall into idolatry. Jesus, of course, he never sinned, but he was tempted he experiences baptism, Father God speaking, his open heaven, the Holy Spirit resting upon him as a dove. And then he's sent into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
Isn't that interesting? This is what Jesus said, Mark 4, 15. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. As we talk about prophecy in our lives as believers, you have to understand the enemy wants to take the word that's been sown into your heart. That's why the Bible says to guard our hearts, right? Let me just give you an example from my life. So in terms of the light project, so we're praying about how to proceed with this project with the church. And I was exercising one day and just kind of talking to God about it. All of a sudden I had this thought, 300, 100 tithing people, 100 praying people, and 100 people who are going to volunteer. Like, God wants to raise up 300. It's going to be like Gideon's army, 300. You know, I was on this whole thought with that. Okay, you can imagine kind of how long I was excited about that. All right, kind of an epiphany. But God was speaking. He was doing something. So we start to roll out this, this process and strategize with people. Meanwhile, it's my birthday. And on my birthday this year, I felt led, actually, from God to get some prayer. And I sat down with a group of people and they have a ministry where they pray for people and minister in the gift of prophecy. And one of the things that's interesting about this setting is you don't tell them anything about you. So, you know, in, as far as they're meeting me, I could be a pastor, I could be a carpenter, I could be a professional surfer. Okay, probably not. But anyway, I could be anyone and they wouldn't know who I was. And so we sit down and the leader looks right at me and says, God is giving you financial strategies. And there's something about Gideon's 300 that he's raising up. Isn't that amazing? A confirmation, a word from God. Okay, so then everything was great, right? No. Let me just tell you, for the next two days, all hell broke through in my life. In my life. So both my cars went out, okay? Cost me some money, okay? I had some healthcare situation stuff I had to deal with. Cost me some money. Okay, we had a situation with our contractor take a terrible turn, okay, and that kind of was a financial nightmare in and of itself, and it was like thing after thing after thing just started hitting me, and after about the fourth or fifth thing, I realized, I think I'm experiencing a spiritual battle, okay, (laughs) the great gift of discernment God has given me. But the enemy comes at our appointed times. He tries to steal the victory that God wants to bring. So it's when, so be aware of that, okay? Where, where do we experience spiritual warfare in our life? This location, Mizpah, is very uh, prophetically significant for us. The word means watchtower. So this was an area of strategic importance. It was a high place, a place where you could see. It was a place of military importance. It was also a place of worship. It was a place where people went to sacrifice. And so that was very, very important as well, as this was a place of worship. And then finally, it was a place of covenant, Jacob had made a covenant at this exact location, and that's why it was known as a resting place for the presence of God. So here's what you'll see in your life. The enemy will always attack the place of covenant in your life. So think about the covenants that we make as believers, right? You can think of how that's playing out in our society right now. Allow me to illustrate this with a dream. And, you know, not every dream is from God. But when you start to walk with God, God starts to give you discernment. And then over time, you start to learn, you know what? I think this might be a dream from the Lord. And I know this is a little bit out there, but hey, it's a prophetic series, okay? So we got to talk about dreams. And I've got some people on the prophetic team right here. So I'm going to look at you guys and then everyone else, just hopefully you're going to track with me. But I know I'm going to get an amen over here. So, So a few years ago, I had three dreams, three nights in a row. Okay, the first dream, 
I go, I go to bed and I'm asleep. And in the dream, I'm reading my Bible at a Starbucks. Just hanging out, reading my Bible, having FaceTime. Okay, it's awesome. Then all of a sudden, this like super villain comes up to me in the Starbucks. It was also kind of like a harlot and an evil villain, just kind of this evil person. And she just looks at me in the Starbucks and punches me right in the face. Takes my Bible, throws it across the Starbucks. So, obviously, I did what you would do. I punched her right back in the face. And then we have this amazing, like, superhero battle. We're, like, kicking over tables. You know, it's awesome. Okay, dream's over. Next night, I'm in Home Depot buying a light bulb. Minding my own business, okay? Light project. Thank you, Joel. So, buying a light, light bulb. And, and, and all of a sudden, there's this villain again. She comes up to me, clocks me right in the jaw. So punched her back, obviously. And we have this huge, it was like better than the Avengers, you guys. I mean, the side of the building was blowing up, all kinds of stuff. All right, dream's over. Third night, third dream. Okay, this is, this is how I kind of know it's a spiritual dream because it lands. Okay, God has a promise in it. So in the third dream, I'm walking on the water and I feel the presence of God. I'm praying, I'm connecting with God. This is like amazing dream, you know? And then all of a sudden, in front of me in the ocean, the, the ocean kind of starts to bubble and shake, kind of like it would in like a Godzilla movie. And just like that, this being comes out of the water, who is this kind of harlot, villainess, you know, you know, evil looking at me. And I just look right, right at it, and I just say, I resist you. And the dream is over. Interesting. Okay, so what's the interpretation? Prayed about it. The Bible says interpretations belong to God. So I prayed about it. Here's what I see. Here's where the enemy is attacking us in our society. Two places of covenant, the word of God and the home, right? I mean, don't you feel like the word of God, the Bible is under attack in our society, right? Thankfully, it never returns void and God will always verify his word so we can trust in faith that God will secure it, but it's under attack. And you need to know that. You need to know that truth from the Lord that has been taken as given, that is taken as been foundational to our society for hundreds of years is under attack. Number two, the home. Home Depot. Don't you think the home is under attack in our society, right? We could go through all the political things we need to do. We could go through all that. But more than anything, this is what I want to say to you. This is a spiritual battle. The enemy is coming against covenant, and he will come against us in a place of covenant. So the promise is, I believe in that dream as my age and as kind of walking on the water, I represented the millennials. And I believe, hey, no laughing, this is a good one, okay? So I represented the millennials and I was walking out on the water in the presence of God. And what did God give me power to do? To resist it. And there's something God's saying in our generation where I'm gonna give you power to resist this spiritual attack. That's what the Bible says. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, okay? So, interesting. But what you see is the place of covenant. So, that's where we should expect spiritual attack. So, don't be surprised when the enemy comes against your marriage, right? Or your relationship with your children. Or your relationship with other believers. That is a place of covenant. Let's keep reading. When Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. So they're praying. 
They're asking God for deliverance. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage in battle. Okay, let's pause here. Here we're going to see what to do when you find yourself in a spiritual battle. This is very important for us to understand as believers. As we've established, there's a cosmic battle between good and evil. It's going to affect us at some point. So we need to know what to do when we find ourselves in a spiritual battle. But before then, how do you know when you're in a spiritual battle? There are all kinds of trials in our life, right? There's self-inflicted trials we go through because of our own stupidity. Hello? All right? There's trials because of the fallenness of this world, like traffic, okay? Mosquitoes, okay? So we go through trials, right? The world, the flesh, we have trials just because of our own wiliness and immaturity. We just need to grow up, okay? Those kinds of trials, God actually allows in our life for a specific reason. This is what James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because, you know, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish at work so you may, not be, mature, so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So these kind of trials are just like going to the gym. God's giving us resistance in our life to strengthen us and mature us. So how do you discern between those kind of trials and spiritual battles? We see it here in 1 Samuel 7. There's a secret hidden in verse 10. This is what it says. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. You see, in life trials, we face resistance. But what happens is, as we press into the Lord, he gives wisdom and he gives strength. And there's a sense that we are growing in the process. When we face spiritual battles and we press into God, the enemy will press in more. So we feel this like disconnection from God or or the Bible says that the enemy's main role is the accuser. So we will feel accusations or we will feel condemned or we will have this strange malaise and spiritual frustration, desire to pull away from God rather than to press into God or to pull away from godly community rather to press in to godly community. When we, when we go to the Lord, there'll be this spiritual resistance that we have to break through. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does anyone ever experience this, right? So that's what you do. That's how you know you're in a spiritual battle. So what do you do? What do you do when you realize, oh, this isn't just some, you know, car trouble, but I've had these four or five things in a row, and I'm starting to realize, oh, like, the enemy is coming against me because of this promise that God spoke. Okay, so three things we see in this story. Number one is people. Say people. The people of Israel stuck together. This is so important. You can learn it by watching the Discovery Channel, which is the antelope that gets eaten, right? The little one that runs away on its own. It's so sad, okay? Listen, stick together when you are in a trial. Okay, if you don't like the Discovery Channel, how about sports, okay? The Golden State Warriors, strength in numbers, right, Jason? All right, so God allows us to have a community around us to strengthen us in our battles. I love how the people of Israel, they didn't go crazy and start running all over the mountain. They stuck together at this place, even when they were surrounded. The enemy is called the accuser. So when you're in a spiritual battle, oftentimes he'll get you to start trying to accuse the other people in your life. But just think about it. When we accuse someone else, who are we partnering with? 
We don't want to be like that, right? We want to stick together and build unity as a church family. And if you're part of another church, stick together with that church. But God has a team for you to face your battles with. I like what General George Patton said. His army was surrounded in World War II. He was a tank commander, and uh, they were surrounded on every side by Nazi tanks. So from the north, the south, the east, and the west, they found themselves in this little valley in a forest, and these tanks were just like pummeling them, you know, all kinds of artillery. They find themselves in this valley. They're surrounded on every side. So Patton has this meeting with his, you know, sergeants, and lieutenants. They all gather together. They're like, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. And I love what he said to his men. He said, well, we can hit him on the north. We can hit him on the south. We can hit him on the west. And we can hit him on the east. We can hit the enemy from any direction. I've got him right where I want him. <laughs> That's a great attitude. You know, we have that spirit of faith that comes on us as a community, Right? that in the midst of our battles, in the midst of being surrounded, that God is with us. Okay, number two, here's the next thing we see, what to do when you're in a spiritual battle, is praise. Praise, it sounds so simple, right? It's, it's almost embarrassing to share. Just praise, okay? But what does praise do? It brings God's presence into the situation. Like, we either serve a God that is supernatural and can work on our behalf, or we do not. And I think we do. So I praise and I invite God into that situation. You know, uh, that's what my wife and I did when we received this hard financial news. We were put our kids down and we put on a YouTube, do it again, that worship song. And we just stood up and we praised in our house, inviting God's presence into that situation. You can do that in your home with your family. If you're getting spiritual resistance at the office, right? You're believing God for people's lives. Here's something you can do. I'm gonna give you a secret take over the office Spotify station. Okay. Hey, guess what? There's even instrumental praise. You can just be sneaky. You can get it in there. You know, there's even like Pentecostal instrumental praise. You can get real crazy up in there. They're not even going to know, but they're going to, they're going to feel something. All right. So we want to be a people of praise. This is so important for us as a church family. As we move into this season of taking land in this city, so, you know, there's all kinds of complications with a land project, right? There's like zoning complications. Of course, there's like financial stuff we're going to have to work through and believe God for. But in the midst of all that, here's what I want you to know as our congregation. Getting land for the kingdom of God in San Diego actually is a spiritual battle. It, there's spiritual resistance that comes against it. And so we are going to have to have God go before us and bring a breakthrough time and time again. And the way that we do that is through praise. And so God strengthens our praise. I remember being in a service like this when I was going through a very severe spiritual battle in my life about eight years ago. And just spontaneously, the this, this speaker, he pointed at me. It was a group of like, I don't know, probably a thousand people. He had me stand up. He said, young man, you're gonna need to praise your way to breakthrough. Isn't that interesting? You know, God wants us to praise and invite him into our situations, practically, but also with his presence. Here's the last thing. So we get with people of God, we commit to praise. And this is kind of what our series is about, right? Is prophecy. That's the next P, prophecy. What, what happens in the story is amazing. This voice of victory speaks from heaven. Now, as believers, God's voice, we talked about this last week, is encouraging, comforting, and edifying to us, right? Amen? Now, but I want you to look at the effect that God's voice has on the enemy. 
But that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out at Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, named it Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. I like how the New Living Translation says this. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder. God speaks. And God's voice has power like nothing else in the universe. You think about God's voice. It's how he created the world, right? Um, It's how he transforms our life. This is what Paul said to Timothy NASB version of the Bible, 1 Timothy 1.18. This command I entrust to you in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you that by them you may fight the good fight. So God has a weapon for us in spiritual battles. It is the prophecies he has given us. So there's two kinds. First of all, there's the scripture, right? Those are unchanging. The word of God's never gonna return void. And so if you don't know what to do, you find yourself in a spiritual battle, it's really easy. Just pick up the Bible, open it up, preferably the New Testament, but wherever will work, and just start reading it, right? Just start reading it out loud, okay? Like one night I was dealing with some stuff and I was reading uh, Revelation chapter one. It says, blessed is he who reads the words of this book aloud. And I thought, well, I need to be blessed. So I just started reading it out loud. Like, it's kind of like, you know, Prophecy for dummies, right? You can just start reading the Bible out loud, but God will start moving on your behalf. So when we got this hard financial news, I read out this scripture. The Lord says this in the Psalms, I have never seen the righteous go hungry or their children begging for bread. So I started to proclaim that over my life. Or a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, right? And I started just to read these different scriptures out loud. And then when it got kind of old, I switched translations. And I started reading them in those translations. But God was using that to strengthen me. But he was also doing something spiritually on my behalf. Because the word of God does not return void. And there's power in our words. You got to use your words. So we have the, the prophecy of scripture. But then we have the words, the promises that God has given us. Ephesians 6 talks about using the sword of the spirit, the rhema, the spoken word of God. So God will give us words as a weapon for our life. And so there were some words. I have an Evernote file on my phone of just some promises that God has given me. Not super dramatic stuff, but just little things here and there throughout the years. And, you know, when I had this financial news, I started reading those things out loud. God started moving. He started working on my behalf. And I started to see breakthroughs as I was fighting my battles the Lord's way by using his words. And that's how God wants you to fight your battles too. Yeah, one commentator said this, when we think of power, we almost always think of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said this, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. They have power. Jesus's words have power in our lives. A few things I'd want you to know. This church is such an amazing church. There's so many amazing churches in our city, and each church you know, has a different calling, right? Different, a different thing that God is doing. Some churches are more community churches. Other churches are great churches here in San Diego, bringing in the lost. We honor every church. We so love the other communities here. This church has a specific call. It has an apostolic call to bring the gospel to all nations. And so being a part of this church, you are going to face spiritual battles. 
because we are oftentimes extending our church into territory where God's is not yet named. You tracking with me? And so we have a, we have a call actually to press in to spiritual battles, to bring breakthrough for people that do not know the name of Jesus. This area that we're in, less than 1% of people go to church. Isn't that crazy? Think about So we're surrounded, but we can hit them on every side. (laughs) And we have a call to release the presence of God into this area, into this locale, to extend God's kingdom. But it's only going to happen as we are trained in spiritual battles. Here's something you need to know as a believer. Your pastor can't resist the devil for you. Your life group leader can't do it. We all have a responsibility to grow in maturity so we can fight the spiritual battles that God has for us. Amen. Great. Man, come on up. You can go ahead and stand. We serve a God that's victorious. Amen. That's the whole context of this. Jesus' victory. His kingdom has come. But throughout the process, there's ground he wants us to take in our lives. These three Ps. First of all, people. You're gathered here with the people of God. Way to go. You made it to church. Number two, praise. So we're going to respond to this word for a moment. We're just going to praise. If you're in the middle of a spiritual battle right now, this is your moment to start praising God and inviting him in this situation. If you're not in a spiritual battle, this church is taking territory. So you can use this as an opportunity to praise and start praying for the building that's coming, for the work that we're believing for in France and Indonesia and Moldova and South Africa, for the work that we're believing in Minneapolis, St. Paul. You can start praising God as this is a church planting church and God is extending the kingdom through us. And then in a moment, we're actually gonna have a moment of prophecy to close our service. Let's praise for just a moment.